What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Leader Swift Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Swifty Perry. Today, we're going to jump right in to our conversation with Terry Parkman. But before we do that, I would just like to ask if you can do us a huge, huge favor, and that is share this podcast with somebody. Share it with somebody who's never listened before and, and help spread the word in helping people grow in their leadership abilities. So share this podcast with somebody and also subscribe. Subscribing means that you will not miss an episode. It will just pop up straight into your phone every episode, every single Monday. So it's going to be so great. So subscribe to this podcast and share it with somebody because that is how we help more leaders lead better today than we did yesterday. But we're going to jump into our conversation right now with Terry Parkman. All right, I'm here with my friend, Terry Parkman. Terry, how's it going today? I'm doing great, man. How are you holding up? Man, I'm good. I'm good. What's What's the weather like right now in Minnesota? <laughs> right now, the weather is a balmy 45 degrees. Oh, that's not morning. bad. I was and, expecting uh, worse. Oh, no, no. We're praying that it gets up to 50-something today, <laughs> and I can go out on a run. Go on a run without cold air hitting my lungs. Yeah, so, yeah, man, it's not too bad at all. It's springtime here. So yeah, whenever I go to that part of the country, I I'm freeze. I went to Chicago like New Year's Eve with my wife, and it was like right. like negative one. And I was like, "Where am wow. I right now? I don't want to leave my hotel." <laughs> um, but, I hear you, dude. But Terry, you you've been in leadership for a long time. Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. Um, where you've done leadership and, and the level you lead in. Yeah, man. Uh, great question. It's a broad question. I'll try to give you the flyover view, but I've been doing ministry for about 16 years um, and uh, didn't start until I was 28. So um, I've been spending my time exclusively in next-gen ministry, primarily with a focus on youth ministry. I was in Bismarck, North Dakota, for seven years, saw amazing things happen there. When we took over the ministry, it was 30 people. And in three months, we grew it to 15, one five, and uh, really went to the Lord and said, all right, God, what are we doing here? And through a series of different uh, processes, God took us through. We were able to grow it over seven years from 15 to 700 wow. in the middle of North Dakota. God was like moving. And I feel like I was a lucky sucker that got to be a part of what God was doing at that time. Um, after that, we uh, brought, came on here to River Valley Church. We're a multi-site church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have nine campuses domestically, and then we have one in Africa as well. And my role here right now is as the next-gen pastor. So I oversee kids, youth, young adults, and interns, but not so much as an executive role, but more as a practitioner role. So I'm still developing the leaders. I'm still developing the pastors. I'm still creating the strategies and the play. And so currently... Uh, with all those ministries together, I oversee about 33 different pastors and develop single strategies that win holistically across the house. And it's a, and it's a, uh, it sounds a lot more complex than it really is because uh, we have amazing pastors that are killing it and really kind of leading the way. And I just get to be the one who gets to uh, work alongside of them as they do it. Yeah, that's incredible. I first heard about your church, and I think I reached out to you shortly after, is when I read your yeah. pastor's book, uh, Front Row Leadership. That was yeah. that was a great book. I remember I was on a plane and I was like, I'm going to read this entire book on this six hour flight. And I did it. And it was an incredible book and just learned so much <laughs> about leadership from from your lead pastor. 
And so I was like, I got to reach out to their youth guy and just learn from them. And you've just been so gracious and yeah. teaching me and answering questions. It's been amazing. Um, Terry, right you on. speak around a lot. You have an incredible team, but you also get opportunities to speak and you speak to a lot of leaders. And if you're in a room full of leaders, what is like a leadership tip you would give them to lead better today than they did yesterday? Wow, leading better today than they did yesterday. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things at any point in ministry is never overestimate what you can do in six months and underestimate what you can do in six years. I wow. think it's very important to understand that because like when we think in seasons and, and pastors, youth pastors especially, really, really think in seasons. Like you got the beginning of the school year to Christmas season, you got the January to the end of school year season, and then you got the summer season. And we always think in seasons and we try to pack everything we can into a season, like every dream, every vision, every goal. And sometimes by doing that and overestimating what we can accomplish, we absolutely, honestly, sometimes accomplish nothing. Um, when in reality, I think we need to have a longer vision and a longer game plan. You know, what we are able to accomplish in six years will far eclipse any vision, no matter how great it is today. And I believe that in, the, in each season, in like every six-month season even, we need to really focus on whatever the one thing is that God is putting in front of our face. Um, not what people are doing on Instagram, not what people are doing on TikTok, but what God is putting in front of our face, because that's the thing he wants invested in our ministry. And if we could focus on that one thing in each season, we're going to see our ministry and what God can do in our ministry far exceed any expectations that we've ever had. Yeah. How do you organize that? Right. I'm a big dreamer. So I love to dream. My my team yeah. knows that my, my former teams know that they're like, Matt is a dreamer. Like I will. I read about Google and they have this thing called the dream board and they write all of their dreams for their company on this yep. board and then figure out how to execute yep. it. And that's exactly how yep. I'm like, I just dream all day and then build a team to help me execute. Um, how yeah. for the dreamers, the people listening, who's like, I love to dream. How do you help them to focus yeah. in on focusing on just one thing or a couple things per season instead of like, Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. Yeah. There's three levels to this answer. I think first of all, all of our, every dreamers, um, icon is Joseph, but we also have to remember about Joseph is Joseph knew how to execute upon his dreams very well. He was a very systematic and strategic man as we can see with what he did with Egypt after he came out of prison. And so I think every great dream deserves a great systematic process. Wow. And we have to be able to be passionate about that. So the way you really discover where to invest that bandwidth of yours is to really just separate what are my hobbies, what are my passions, and what's my calling. And many times we feel like we have to be faithful to all those things, when in reality we just have to be faithful to what God told us to do, not what we're just passionate about. And I think it's very important for us to separate those things out when we're about to leave. So when we're dreaming, put everything on the board for sure, but then go to the Holy Spirit, go to the Lord and say, Lord, lead me. Show me which one of these things comes first. Show me which one of these dominoes that I put in place knocks every one of them down. So I don't have to do each one of these separately, but I can do one and it causes the rest to cascade and happen. And then I think move forward. And what we do is we kind of break it down into something that we call the movement theory here uh, at River Valley and specifically with the next gen. And it just breaks down like this, is vision, system, behavior, culture, and movement. And I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Every vision demands good systems because systems create behavior. If I want people to behave according to my vision, according to the dream that God has given me, I have to put systems in place so they behave that way. Once I have people behaving according to the vision, 
I speak value into that behavior and it slowly starts to become a culture in our ministry. And once the culture looks like the vision that God gave us, God blesses it and he makes it into a movement. My one job is creating amazing systems so that the vision, so that the dream can take place. You look at Joseph, he did the exact same thing. And that's what I do to really ensure that the best that God has given me takes root. Wow, that is so good. That was a lot to unpack right there. That was so good. Like it I, was. That was that was amazing. So at River Valley, that is the system you guys practice. At in next gen at River Valley, yeah. That's anything I touch is that's what we do. So we use this term like we movement theory everything. If something isn't working, let's movement theory it. Maybe people, maybe the vision is good but people aren't behaving according to the vision. Well, you don't change the vision. You just change the systems until people start behaving according to the vision, you know, and that's kind of where we start fixing a lot of our things. So if something isn't working, we didn't miss God. It's just that we didn't steward it properly the first time. And so if I really want to see these amazing dreams take place, and the more I do that, by the way, the more dreams God gives me. I think there's a misconception where when God gives us a dream, we can't lose the charm of the dream by taking it into an organizational process. But in reality, the quicker you lock it into an organizational process, the quicker you open yourself up for more dreams from God. That's so good. I I hear systems, and I love it because I know to get that dream out there, you need good systems, like what you just said. But there's some yeah. churches and pastors and leaders listening to this, and they get scared of that word systems. That yeah. they either they yeah. don't talk about systems, or they just they're like. They're, they feel like there's this negative connotation that comes from systems because yeah. maybe they've been burned by it in the past. Can you yeah. can you talk to leaders quickly on why systems are so important in church or yeah. leadership well, in an organization? Yeah, let's let's exchange the word systems for process of stewardship. Okay, because we don't feel bad about that word stewardship. Uh, if I'm stewarding a vision so that people behave according to the vision you're in essence putting systems in place. So I think the word is the semantic that, that a lot of people get spooked by. And I don't think it's, it's really a necessary thing to get spooked by it. Let's look at it this way. Systems for the sake of systems aren't worth it. Systems for the sake of vision is because we don't marry the systems. We marry the vision. A lot of people are burned by systems when they don't have a vision in place. So the systems and the organizational processes and all those other things begin to dominate your ministry more than the vision does. So it's very important to have that vision in place. And a lot of people, when they think systems, they think of a guy with a button-up white shirt, pleated khakis under fluorescent lights to an Excel spreadsheet. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is just simply stewarding the vision. So if I can put a case in point, I have two daughters, right? And they're learning how to do chores more and more. They're little girls. And for example, I say, all right, if you take out the garbage, I will give you $20 a week as much, every single week as long as you take out the trash every time it's, it's filled up. And say, for example, she doesn't take out the trash. And I say, hey, I need you to take out the garbage. And she says, later, Dad. And I take out the trash, and then I still give her $20. I promise you that she's going to disobey me next time. Not because she's a bad kid, but because I put a bad system in place so that she behaves poorly. I rewarded negative behavior. Now, say, for example, I have a vision for her to be responsible. So I say, take out the trash every time it's filled up, nearly 20 bucks. And she doesn't. And I end up taking out the trash. The best way to do it is to say, hey, you see this $20 for this week and next week? They're both mine still. Until you start taking out the trash for the next two weeks, you won't see this cash ever again. I promise you that she's going to start taking out the garbage next time it's full, not because she's a good kid, 
but because I put a good system in place so that she behaves according to the vision I have for her. So if you want to create a great worship atmosphere and people aren't stepping up to worship, maybe it's because it, maybe it's not because they don't like worship. Maybe it's because we have an awkward atmosphere for them to enter into worship. And it's not the vision that needs to change. Maybe we just need to change the setup, how we lead people into those moments. And that's what I mean by system. Let the vision guide the system so that people behave according to that vision. That is so good. I love that you said we need to fall in love with the vision. That's what we fall in love with, not the system. Yeah. I've seen it both right. ways. Right. I've seen oh, the yeah. style of leadership where they fall so in love with the systems and get obsessed with the systems that they even lose track of the vision because they got so obsessed yeah. just with the system, just with the process, because they saw all of the other successful, I use that with air quotes, um, successful churches with big numbers and big buildings just taught them the system. So they got so obsessed with the system, they missed their vision. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I see that all through the Bible. I think the Pharisees got obsessed with a system. They missed the vision. Yep. When I always teach on that where they they got distracted, they missed out on what they were looking for, and that was the kingdom of God. That was Jesus right in front of their face. But they got so obsessed with the religious system that they missed out on the vision of Jesus. Yep, and and that's what I mean. Like I'm not a systems guy, I'm not married to it, but I do love seeing the vision that God gives me take off as fast as possible. So I've learned to use systems as a tool, not as an idol. Wow, that's so good. Use it as a tool, not an idol. Terry, that was such a great conversation. I'm taking down notes. Man, thank you so um, much. It was so good. Terry, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I'm, all my uh, social media handles are at Terry Parkman. It's T-E-R-R-Y-P-A-R-K-M-A-N. And you can find me primarily on Instagram. I'm trying to work that TikTok game, but I, I, I kind of outsource that to other people. I'm an old man now. I just stay on that that Instagram and try to leverage that more. So you can really find me there. I'm on. I am on TikTok. I am on Facebook. You can hit me up at my email, TerryParkman at gmail.com. Uh, just to stay in touch. For TikTok, I would love you and Vince Parker to do a TikTok video together. I think that'd be incredible. Bro, that would be the most painful like dad move that you, you could ever <laughs> see in youth ministry. Everybody thinks like every influencer has game. You don't have game. You've just been doing it a long time. That's all. <laughs> like, I promise you Vince can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, that, that would be hilarious though, TikTok. Uh, that'd be amazing. Oh, bro. But man, Terry, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor.